Welcome to the Book of Mormon podcast, where it's all about uncovering questions, thoughts, and discoveries in your own personal Book of Mormon study. I know it seems crazy, but for over four years, I've been writing out the Book of Mormon, word for word, sentence by sentence, paragraph by paragraph. It's amazing what we can learn when we slow down and give space for personal revelation and insights beyond our normal reading pace. I'm Susan Gardner, a convert, a cyclist, and a Zuma to eight amazing grandkids. Come with me as we unveil new perspectives and understanding as I continue to write out the Book of Mormon. Hello, everybody. I'm your host, Susan Gardner, and you're listening to Writing the Book of Mormon, Season 2, Episode 9. After writing story after story, you can't help but begin to see patterns of how people in the Book of Mormon found success and how they failed. It's definitely an advantage to be able to have hundreds and hundreds of years of history at your fingertips to compare these patterns. As I wrote along and noticed some of these patterns, so much so I caught myself beginning to anticipate what would happen next as I observed certain behavior in the people. Today I want to focus on battles, particularly patterns of specific behavior demonstrated after battles are over. So many battles take place in the Book of Mormon. I'm sure you've noticed, as I have, one side often would be outnumbered or have a considerable disadvantage as they face the opponent. In the beginning, as I considered the position of the weaker side, I would admire their courage and tenacity. However, I thought in my mind, people, you look good on paper, but when the rubber hits the road, y'all's going to be destroyed. There's no way this will end well. But you know what? To my surprise, the underdogs would usually come out on top. Soon enough, the next battle would come around, and another, and the next, and so forth. Win, triumph, and success was often the outcome. How could that be? Both sides usually were prepared with sufficient armor and weapons, yet often, when you compared the numbers of the warriors on each side, one was usually lopsided. How could people at such a disadvantage continue to beat their opponent? After a while, I noticed what it was that gave such an unwarrantable edge. The it was who they were looking to and depending on for strength. Just before the battle, I'd read, In the strength of the Lord we did go forth. Yea, in the strength of the Lord did we go forth to battle. We will go forth against them in the strength of the Lord. Time after time, this short phrase would be included. After a while, even the odds were against them. When I'd see this phrase, I found myself anticipating a win. I'd think, don't fret, fellas. You've got this. Things are going to turn out fine. So you can imagine, imagine my surprise when I began to write out situations like you'd find in Mosiah and Mormon, where the people were down after being defeated in a battle, yet they rallied, fought, and began to win again. When I wrote, and now, because of this great victory, they were lifted up in the pride of their hearts. They did boast in their own strength. And because of this great thing which my people, the Nephites, had done, they began to boast in their own strength. Uh Uh-oh, I think. No, 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 that's the wrong phrase. You're breaking the pattern. Oh, geez. It's good they all rallied and won, but... To take all the credit for the win? This is not good. Later in the book of of Helaman, I found the reason why giving yourself all the credit for winning isn't ever a good idea. And because of their great wickedness and their boastings in their own strength, they were left to their own strength. Therefore, they did not prosper. 
anyone who's ever had to hold your chin up over the bar or plank for a sustained period of time knows no matter how prepared you think you are, eventually you'll drop to the floor because your muscles will give out. You may have a few victories here and there and think all is well for a while, but to be left on your own strength has been proven time and time again to be very temporary. Writing out the Book of Mormon has taught me there is a great value of going forth in the strength of the Lord, as opposed to boasting in our own strength. Now, you know me, I have to bring a concept closer to home so I can answer the question, what does that look like in my life? What does going forth in the strength of the Lord look like in my life? As I have given some thought about this question, I think I found some answers to this question in another story we found in the Book of Mormon. It's a familiar story having to do with a specific group of young warriors that fought with the strength of the Lord and beat the odds. This account is found in Alma chapter 56. It's the story of the stripling warriors. But first, let me remind you of the specific situation I'm referring to. In this chapter, Helaman writes a letter to Moroni and describes some of his experiences he has had as he's led the 2,000 young warriors to help defeat the Lamanites. One particular experience the young warriors had was to act as decoys drawing the enemy away from their stronghold in the city of Antipara. After drawing them away, the army of Antipas then would pursue the enemy from the rear. With the 2,000 in the front and Antipas army in the back, the plan was to eventually surround the Lamanites and defeat them. However, things didn't go as planned. At one point, the Lamanites knew that they were being chased by Antipas' army, but were bent on catching and destroying the young army in front of them. They continued to pursue them with that plan with great vigor. After the third day of being chased by the Lamanites, Helaman noticed something was different. He noticed they weren't being pursued any longer and wasn't sure why. His guess was either Antipas took over the Lamanites or the Lamanites were luring Helaman's army into a trap. He didn't know which it was. Helaman was in a quandary. Earlier in the, his comments to Moroni, he expresses his great love for his, quote, little sons, but has doubts about their ability when it comes to hand-in-hand -hand combat. Speaking of fighting the Lamanites, he says, we were not sufficiently strong to contend with them, and we could not stand against them but be slain. Even knowing how he felt, and after clearly explaining the uncertain situation, he posed a question to his army. What say ye, my sons, will you go against them to battle? They said unto me, Father, behold, our God is with us, and he will not suffer that we should fall. Then let us go forth. Therefore, let us go, lest they should overpower the army of Antipas. Despite the respect he had already had for the dedication of the 2,000, his heart was deeply touched by the response. In fact, as he described the young army's response to his question in the latter to Moroni, he said, And now I say unto you, my beloved brother Moroni, that I never had seen so great courage, nay, not amongst all the Nephites. In the same letter, he also shares what the motivation was for them to battle. Now, they never had fought, yet they did not fear death, and they did think more upon the liberty of their fathers than they did upon their own lives. Yea, they had been taught by their mothers that if they did not doubt, God would deliver them.
As we continue to read, we learn that they did join the battle and helped the very weary Antipas army defeat the Lamanites. Although most were banged up and exhausted from the battle, Helaman rejoices in the fact that none were lost. As I read and I think about the faith and the motivation of these young, inexperienced warriors, I better understood what it means to go to a battle in the strength of the Lord. I think it means more than just being self-confident. Even the most inexperienced warrior can have that going for him. It goes beyond that. Something that goes beyond your ability and armor and sword. I believe it's knowing that there is something bigger out there. Something bigger than yourself. A bigger force. When we consider the fact Helaman saw a lot of war and a lot of soldiers in war, yet he said he'd never seen such great courage he saw in the young warriors. I've learned having courage isn't the ability to do something easy. Rather, having courage means something we must muster up to face hard things. So back to the question. What do all these examples of struggle and combat look like in my life? After all, I don't wear military uniforms or don weapons of war, but I do battle every day. Like Helaman's young army, I don't always know what I'm going to face in those battles. To repeat what I mentioned at the start, after writing out details of many battles and struggles in the Book of Mormon, I've discovered patterns that bring success and those that don't. I'd be dumb not to put those patterns of success into my life decisions. And I'd also be dumb not to avoid those others that bring the contrary. First and most importantly, I've discovered to go about all my battles in the strength of the Lord. And especially when I overcome, not to boast in my own strength. Finally, like the faith of 2000, I've got to have courage to go forth and do what I've got to do and be who I've got to be, no matter the difficulty, because I know God is with me and ultimately he won't let me fail. Besides, it's not a surprise to me anymore when all the things are said and done. When we go forward in the strength of the Lord, he sees fit that the underdogs come out on top. It's not important to discover it first. It's more important to discover it for yourself. Slow pace gives space. If you like this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and share it with a friend who also loves the Book of Mormon. And if you're on Facebook, be sure to like our page and join our community. You type in writing the Book of Mormon dash discussion group. This will keep you up to date and current with new topics and conversations surrounding our study. I do appreciate you, and I hope you have an amazing day.